0: This is episode two of our new podcast here. This is meteorologist Andrew Stutsky with WQAD News 8 in the Quad Cities. Uh, now heading into the first full week of March. Uh, and with that in mind, I know it's been so cold lately, this is probably the last thing we've been thinking of. But we actually have severe weather prepared this week, uh, ongoing this week, here in the Illinois side of the river. Uh, This is where we're going to be ramping up, uh, making sure we have those safety plans ready to go. This is the first month uh, out of the spring months anyway, where we typically start to see a bit of an uptick in some of the severe weather activity and the severe weather potential, uh, not just with damaging winds and hail, but also when we start to begin to see some probabilities increase for the chance of seeing some tornadoes. Uh, It can be oftentimes a very volatile month, and we have seen that already, especially if we look at the southeastern United States Uh, That's where we've seen across portions of Alabama, Georgia, a significant tornado outbreak uh, that took place on March 3rd of this year. So far, uh, at least as of this podcast, we have 24 people that are accounted for uh, that have perished due to tornadoes from a very strong storm system that has produced several significant tornadoes, uh, one of which has been preliminarily rated an EF4 Uh, violent winds. You can tell by some of the damage, too, just how violent this tornado was. And unfortunately, uh, two dozen or so people so far have lost their lives uh, due to the destructive nature of this strong tornado, or several strong tornadoes, rather, uh, that have occurred in those areas. So it's kind of a good, solid reminder uh, as to why we need to make sure that we're prepared here. Uh, Obviously, it's been a while since we've seen this type of weather. Last year, 2018, was quite a a calm year for us in terms of severe weather. We had a couple of episodes, a couple of tornadoes, but we had nothing major uh, in terms of the number of tornadoes or number of severe storms that we had moved through. So that was an easy year for us, relatively speaking. And if you look at the national statistics for 2018, uh, only 10 deaths due to tornadoes. So now that we have 24 on the board preliminarily from March 3rd, We've surpassed last year's tornado death count already, and it's only March. Mind you, the peak of severe weather season for the nation uh, usually comes in about May and into June. Here for us in the Quad Cities, we're going to start to see that peak in May, uh, really especially towards mid to the end of April. That's when climatologically speaking, we see the highest threat. Uh, Of seeing some tornadoes and other types of severe weather. So what better time to really kind of plant the seed in our mind that we need to start looking uh, at our severe weather preparedness plan, uh, what we do in the event that we have a tornado warning issued for our area and things like that. It may seem really simple and straightforward, and really, for most of us that have lived here in the Midwest, that would make sense. We've been practicing this all of our lives, practically. Uh, We haven't ingrained that we need to go to the basement, we need to go to an interior room if we don't have the said basement, and this is a topic that I talk to a lot of kids about when I do school visits. Uh, Certainly, the top topic that comes up for discussion, uh, everybody wants to know about tornadoes, how they form, and things like that, but I really always try and hammer home What to do in several different instances or several different scenarios uh, should a tornado be approaching one's location? And I talk about everything from being at home and school, even talking about being in the car, because I think that's an element that really doesn't get a lot of discussion. And it really should, because so many people get caught in their vehicles uh, while they're traveling with these things, especially on interstates. It's really a tragic event uh, and a tragic set of, of scenarios to have happen all at once, but it does happen. And unfortunately, there are people. People that just don't know what to do, the panic of the moment. So I try to ingrain this um, at an early age, especially on the school visits uh, that I go through. But I want to go through some other statistics before we get into some of that. Uh, basically, in March, uh, we typically see on average about 31 severe weather reports on the Quad Cities. This is from 1980 to 2006. These statistics coming right from uh, the National Weather Service. Uh, on average, we see about two tornadoes. That increases to about eight tornadoes in April, reaches its peak at 15 tornadoes in May, uh, still rather high in June, even where 11 tornadoes are seen on average. And then we see that kind of dwindle down as we get through July and uh, especially into September and October. Uh, that number gets even closer to zero we can have two different severe weather seasons by the way not only a spring one but we can get a little bit of a resurgence in that activity uh come the fall so kind of keep that in mind in the back of your head with some of those statistics Uh, And again, I know the last year was quiet, uh, but thinking this year, we're going to be a little bit more active. I want you to remember last year, there was a significant amount of the Midwest that was actually in drought, uh, some significant drought at that. That's been erased. We've had this active pattern for much of the winter, which has dropped a lot of moisture on the drought-stricken areas. Nearly all of that from Oklahoma to Kansas, Nebraska, Missouri. Southern Iowa was in severe drought last year. It's gone. Drought's gone. What that means is the storms will have some moisture and some fuel to work with for this spring. And uh, depending on the jet stream layout and how that comes into play, that could certainly spell an active severe weather uh, season for us here in the Quad Seas. We're going to have to kind of watch that closely in the weeks ahead. But going back to your severe weather plan, your safety plan, some of the things you want to keep in mind, do you have a way to receive warnings? Most of us have smartphones now uh, that we can receive the EAS alerts or the government emergency alerts. If you have those enabled, you've seen uh, everything from Amber Alerts. You've probably seen flash flood warnings come through your phone. So that's a good sign. You want to keep that enabled. If you don't have that enabled, you want to make sure and get that enabled as quickly as possible. You can go to WQAD.com and find out how to do that. Uh, Just search uh, for... Uh, to the uh, now the time is now is the time to make a severe weather action plan or just search for severe weather on the website in general and the article will come up uh, but if you don't have that available you can also download our free storm 8 app we push warnings through that um, as they come out so you'll get them there a weather radio uh, one of the most important things I think personally to have and I own one I own a smartphone um, I'm on top of the weather but Obviously, I still want a way to receive warnings during the night because I'm not always going to wake up to my cell phone. Uh, We get to the point, you know, we've had this technology for so long that we think, oh, it's a text message or whatever. I'm just going to ignore it and let it go. Well, with a weather radio, you can't really do that. Think of it as an alarm clock for severe weather. You'll want to have one of those. I have one. Make sure you get yourself one. They're twenty, twenty-five bucks at your local Hy-Vee uh, or any other supermarket chain. Most of them have them now. And of course, if you're not into the cell phones uh, and you're just you know sticking with a computer, you can also reach us on the air too uh, via just WQAD. Just go to channel eight. Whenever there's severe weather in the area, you know we're going to be breaking into programming and we will be on the air. That is part of our uh, commitment to your safety. Uh, as well. Seeking shelter, this is a no-brainer. Of course, if you have a tornado warning and even a severe thunderstorm warning, it's not a bad idea to get to the lowest level of your home. If you don't have that basement, it's the interior room, it's the closet, the bathroom, whatever room has a significant number of walls between that room and the outside of the house. You want to put as many walls between you and the outside as possible. Even if the bathroom has a window, climb into the bathtub. In this most recent uh, tornado outbreak on March 3rd, one instance of a couple that rode the storm out in a bathtub they were thrown from the house but they survived just minimal injuries at most Uh, but another miraculous story of people that were able to survive these things riding out in a bathtub and it sounds silly you know to pile into this thing with all these blankets and these pillows but i tell you what people survive a strong tornado at that riding it out in the bathtub so if you don't have that basement the bathtub your next best bet. Uh, Bring the blanket, the comforter, the pillows, whatever you can do to cover yourself up, uh, that is the uh, best thing to do. What about if you're in a car, though? And I I phrase this question so many times to kids uh, because it's one of those things that I want them to learn early on because they're going to carry this stuff with them as they grow up to be an adult, and then hopefully they'll pass this knowledge on to their kids. There's been a little bit of debate when it comes to what you should do if you're in your vehicle uh, a, a scenario, of course, you're driving down the interstate. You've got a tornado that's coming upon you. Uh, it looks like it's you're in the direct path. Do you keep on driving? Do you try and speed away from it? Do you turn around? Uh, it, it really depends on your unique situation. If you can turn around and start traveling in a direction away from it, and you can speed away from it safely, uh, don't you want you to be driving rec- recklessly by any means and, and uh, putting yourself or any of the other motorists in danger? But if you can do that, that of course is the preferred. Uh, thing to do when you're in the car. If you cannot escape this, though, if this thing is coming right at you, you can't turn around, you're slammed in traffic, that's when you want to start looking for that culvert, that ditch. Uh, You don't want to stay in your vehicle and you don't want to seek an underpass. I cannot tell you how many times I have seen people during severe thunderstorms head right for the uh, underside of an overpass because they want to avoid the hail or they want to avoid the damaging winds and whatever may come from that. That is such a dangerous thing to do. Because that rain comes down, especially here in the Quad Cities. We have so much moisture in the summer with these storms. That rain is just coming down in sheets. The visibility is zero. When you think about it, what's going to happen if you're stopped underneath the overpass and there's a car coming uh, full speed ahead that cannot see that you're stopped and it rear ends you? It doesn't matter if you have your blinkers on or not. Uh, I still think it's a dangerous practice and it's something that I really frown upon people doing. Don't stand under or stop under the overpass. It's not a smart thing to do. Uh, We all know by now, too, that you shouldn't be doing that for a tornado. The winds increase exponentially, dramatically when you go underneath an overpass. It acts as a vacuum. can suck you right out of there. So you don't want to do that. You want to always look for the ditch or the culvert, the lowest portion of the side of the road that you can get down uh, and lay on the ground and be as low as possible. Some areas uh, or agencies suggest you stay in your vehicle I think that's an absolute last case scenario. We know tornadoes can pick up these things. And the thing about a vehicle, if you want to think of it, I'm going to get a little bit more advanced here for a second, but when you think of the physics of a vehicle, the vehicle is much larger than your body. That means that vehicle has more surface area for things like debris and uh, other life-threatening objects to, to really penetrate and hit it. Um, so your body has a lot less surface area than that vehicle, so your vehicle's more vulnerable to the debris impacting it from two by fours, road signs, pieces of uh, cell phone tower, pieces of buildings. It's a dangerous thing to try and stay and ride right out this storm in your vehicle. Uh, what's best is if you can get the ditch or culvert, ride it out in that. If none of that's available, then I think you're you're only left with that worst case scenario of staying in the vehicle. And it's at that point where you want to stay down. You want to really get down to the lowest part of that vehicle that you can and get away from those windows. Uh, The glass is for sure going to be broken out, but hopefully if you're laying low enough, uh, you won't be too impacted. Uh, there. It's it's a really tricky situation to be in, and I, I really pray that none of you are in that situation, but you want to just keep those things in mind. Use a lot of common sense. Do what feels safe to you. If you know you have the ditch or culvert available, do it. Go to that location there. Uh, that'll be the safest one for you uh, for sure when you're in that situation. Uh, speaking of travel, do you have an evacuation plan? Especially those of you that live along the river, you want to make sure you have a way to get out of that uh, location should some rapid flooding come up. Be thinking of some routes in your mind, which areas may become uh, congested with traffic, which ones are likely to be more open and more clear. So keep that in mind. Uh, Make sure you have a destination to go. Uh, Should uh, disaster strike your home, where can you go? Do you have a relative you can stay with? Not a bad idea to contact them and say, you know, hey, in the event of an emergency, we're going to make your house kind of the central point where all of us are going to meet. Uh, You want to have that meeting place. That's very important. And that also goes along with family communication. Do you have all your relatives' cell phone contacts in your phone or their landline if they still have it on your phone? Do you have your insurance information for your car, for your house? All of that should be kept in a central location. Uh, A lot of insurance agencies have cell phone apps now. I know mine does for both my car and a lot of homeowners' insurance policies are also available via app, too. Load all those up. Make sure it's all there. You have everything in one place. Uh, It will surely be handy that is for sure so that's kind of the the theme of severe weather preparedness week for Illinois typically we'll also have a tornado drill on the Tuesday during that week Uh, from what I'm seeing right now they're not doing that this time around but uh, that is something that they would usually do not sure the reasoning on, on why they're not doing that this year But uh, not a bad idea to kind of practice your own drill, if you will, if you're at home, you know, maybe during the week or during the weekend, get all the kids and the relatives together and say, hey, we're going to practice this drill and we're going to make sure everybody's on the same page uh, so we know where to go and we know exactly what to do in the event should severe weather strike. That's just one of the many topics that the National Weather Service is going to be covering this week. Uh, I'll be passing along some more of those safety tips as the week goes on. We're going to talk about different topics, uh, including the difference between a watch, a warning, an advisory, things like that. Uh, We go over that quite often, especially during severe weather coverage. We'll remind you what a watch means, what a warning means. But it's always not a bad idea to uh, kind of freshen ourselves up on some of that knowledge as we get ready to go. Uh, into the warmer months and we're hoping it's going to eventually warm up it does look like we're going to get there eventually Uh, may take a couple more weeks but uh, no doubt we're going to be seeing spring uh, rear its head here soon hopefully uh, it's been a cold brutal winter we're still kind of tracking that snowfall record Uh, by the way we're about 11 inches shy of the all-time snowiest time period for the quad cities on record so we'll see how much progress we can make uh, in the next couple of weeks before things really start to warm up. But as of right now, uh, not a bad idea to be thinking ahead kind of to the more active, uh, severe weather season, if you will, it's not so much a season anymore because we can get tornadoes at any time of the year, but kind of the, the time frame where we can more than likely see that kind of a uptick in, in uh, frequency of seeing a tornado, uh, in our part of the woods here, our neck of the woods, rather. Uh, so as always, I thank you so much for joining me for the podcast here. Uh, Having a couple guests coming up in the near future. I'm going to try and get James, our chief meteorologist, James O'Hara, with us on the next podcast here, see what we can talk about. Uh, and eventually, want to hit up the folks at the National Weather Service, too. There's some exciting things happening there, including a big upgrade coming to our uh, Doppler radar. It's not something we're going to be able to see, uh, but it's certainly something that's going to help prolong the lifespan of that particular radar. It should at least take it through 2030, uh, which is impressive, another 10, 12 years. Uh, before we get a new type of radar technology, hopefully, to come down the pike. But we're going to talk with them uh, soon regarding what those changes are going to be, some exciting stuff. Not something we're going to see, but I think it's a great investment uh, in terms of the technology uh, and keeping it up to date and keeping us safe because the radar is exactly what we rely on when we don't have spotters in the field. It's quite an important tool uh, and certainly something that we use nearly every day uh, being a meteorologist in the field here. As always, I would love your comments. You can email me at uh, andrew.stutsky at wqad.com. You can also look me up on Facebook. Just search for my name, and it should pop right up there. Uh, Make sure and give the page a follow. I'm uh, putting a lot of weather information out all the time, plus some funny joke stuff uh, all the time, too, to kind of keep everybody entertained. Uh, Thank you again. Thanks again for uh, checking out our podcast here. We do this every week, nearly. Uh, And if you have any ideas for future podcasts, we would sure appreciate those. Go ahead and send them our way uh, via an email. Until next time, take care.